It is the 11 Dubcast. I'm Johnny. He's Andy. Let's get right into it. There's a lot to discuss this week, even though Ohio State won't play football for approximately one month as of this recording. And what I find interesting about that is there is going to be so much talking, debating, arguing about what Ohio State football is going to look like once it finally gets going. But we're not going to... A month is a long time, Andy. It's a long time. It feels like everybody's raring and ready to go, but it's still a month. And I don't know that I can wait a month, especially because most of this football is trash. And I don't really think that I should have to wait this long. But that's what they decided. They're coming back. Everything seems to be a go. We've got the schedule out. Let's talk about that schedule, okay? I don't understand personally... Andy, how they could make an eight-game schedule for Ohio State and yet still include four straight weeks of absolute tedium. And I know some of that's a function of the divisions, but you've got you got to break this up a little bit. I I, I can't look. I'm going to watch all these games. I'm going to be very excited to watch them. But Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana, Illinois. What are you doing to me? And in, in November, this is this is a gauntlet. Um, I don't know how I'm going to handle that. So I'm excited, but but a little pissed actually yeah. when it comes to the schedule. So you're you're clearly taking, uh, being the conspiracy theory fan that you are, you're clearly buying into the Nebraska fan conspiracy theory that uh, Nebraska basically got kicked in the throat by the Big Ten for being the uh, the school that or, or the fan community that sued the right. conference, and <laughs> and and we'll and, show you. And simultaneously, we'll agree to your terms and then make you feel bad about because it. we got to get into the playoff. We're giving Ohio State the cakewalk uh, into the CFP, so you know that that the, your the schedule is happy to back up your your belief if that is your particular fan conspiracy theory. Yeah, well, maybe Nebraska shouldn't suck. How about that? Maybe they should be a good football team instead of a bad football team, and they don't have to worry about it. Now, I I agree that they have to play. A, a decent slate i mean you're playing all the best teams of the conference but i you know i don't care <laughs> and, and about it. you're so not good it doesn't matter if you were a good team if you were wisconsin getting that schedule i'd be like okay you got a you got a legit gripe you maybe looking for something like the playoff or, or a big time new year's bowl or some kind of thing like that and you're getting hamstrung by a crappy schedule that's not the case for nebraska they're not really on the precipice of being one of the best teams in the country so i don't they can complain about it, but who cares? What, what is it? The difference between like, okay, we won four games or we won five games. It, who cares? It doesn't matter. To further dump on Nebraska, I have to be honest. When I first looked at the schedule and I saw that people were, uh, and Joel Klatt was the one that really got me thinking about it. He tweeted uh, something, you know, release day about how Ohio State had the easiest schedule. And he was just ranking them. He wasn't necessarily, yeah. you know, trying to pee on Ohio State. He's like, oh, here's the three easiest schedules. And Ohio State's was, was the easiest in his mind. And my initial reaction was, well, how do you make it any tougher for Ohio State? Because the Buckeyes don't have to play the Buckeyes. Uh, you right. can't do anything about the Eastern Division. You're going to play all the teams in your your half of the conference. And I'm like, they've got Nebraska. That's a really good. And then I'm like, oh wait, I see yeah. what they're, I see what they're saying now because uh, you avoid Minnesota and either Iowa or Wisconsin, depending on which you know what which part of that triumvirate you think is uh, going to give yeah. you. But here's the thing. Ohio State should still be favored to win in every single game, even if you swapped out Nebraska and Illinois, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I think they would be. I, I just 
I would have, even if you kept the schedule as is, at least in terms of the teams that they're playing, I would have rather you had mixed up the Michigan teams a little bit, put Michigan State in between all of those, maybe bump Penn State down a little bit. Although I can't deny the appeal of Penn State on Halloween. That's kind of sick, especially at Penn State. I, I'm, I get it. I get it. I get it. I understand that. Um, I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's. A, it, I mean, that's going to be a primetime game. It feels like, right? Yeah, I, I mean that that'll be sick. And, and it's going to be it. weird with the with Beaver Stadium being empty because you know that would be a whiteout. Right. Uh, I, <laughs> that's going to be super weird. But they're all going to be super weird, right? Like from a TV yeah. standpoint, I'm I'm curious. So is Fox going to bring in? And I haven't read this, so I'm my mm-hmm. my curiosity is not necessarily a rhetorical device. Is Fox going to bring in the cardboard cutouts? They should uh, for the games on Fox. Are are we going to pipe in fan noise? Like these are things that I'm dying to know. Uh, for the first, I mean, Nebraska could be a prime time game as far as that goes. In you know, in in previous years, you'd look and say, "Wow, that's a that's a big time tilt." That's been a prime time game. What I mean, two or three times it feels like since they joined the conference, which is also hilarious because Ohio State's blown them out basically every time that they've played in these primetime games. It's not right? been close. No, no, they, these have been terrible games. I mean, it, and I don't expect it to be close again this time. I, no, no, I think they're going to destroy them. And it's again, there are certain considerations that you have to make for the divisions there's going to be slim pickings i do think you know we want to talk about odds and who's going to win the conference i mean this is an this is basically a two-team fight i mean you're looking at wisconsin or ohio state i I guess you could put in michigan if you're dumb but no no you can't you can't put in michigan and here's why i mean i was getting ready to quote the venerable bill Connolly uh with espn the sp plus guru who who fans of the dubcast will know I um, stand for every football season. Um, but, but the venerable Bill Connolly said the projected win projections for the Wolverines get, get ready for this friends. Uh, 4.3, like that's his projected <laughs> win total per SP plus 4.3. I mean, Michigan could conceivably be, I mean, think about this, you know, five and three. Uh, I, I, my understanding is, if I was if I was listening to Dan Hope write earlier today, uh, was that the free press sports writers were putting in like four and four picks uh, for the Wolverines. So your local papers picking you to go five hundred. That's pretty wild. I mean, their schedule. Look, you've got Minnesota, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Penn State, and Ohio State as all. Those are potential losses. And I got to tell you something, man. People want to believe in Jim Harbaugh. I don't know why. I've been watching this team. I've been watching him coach for a long time now, like multiple seasons in which I could have done other things with my life. But instead, I have a Michigan post that I do every week. I do a threat level. And so I feel obligated to watch this damn team. And I don't know why anybody has faith in Jim Harbaugh other than being good and mostly aggressively mediocre. So I think that's a fair, honestly, over under four and a half. I think that's a fair line to put Michigan's win total at. And I don't – the Big Ten just – Ohio State is loaded. Ohio State has a really, really, really great roster, especially when you've got these guys coming back and, and, you know, Wyatt and Sean. So I don't know if there's any Big Ten team that is – it feels like it's actually on the upswing. You know what I mean? Like all these other Big Ten teams really don't feel like they're they're gaining momentum other than Ohio State. So Ohio State's got to go undefeated if they want to get into the the playoff, which I think they've got a really great shot at doing. 
Um, but they also they got to win big. And if you have other teams, and granted, I think there's going to be a lot of cancellations, and that'll change the metrics of all this. But if you've got other teams that might have three or four more wins than Ohio State, then you got to look good going undefeated. So I, I think they have a chance to do that. The schedule sets up favorably. The odds, the betting odds are on their side, although – Andy, Michigan sits at second in the Big Ten on the Bovada betting odds, which I don't understand how that works out. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, to me, that feels like a nod to the fact that Michigan will draw money more so than yeah, yeah, than anything fair. else, right? Like that. I mean, in people who don't, people who aren't degenerate gamblers, um, sometimes get confused that the odds don't necessarily say what you think they say. They're designed to get people to bet on both sides of that bet right like so that the bookmaker comes out whole regardless so you know that feels like one of those things that you're like okay that's not really what's going to happen uh and and at the same time you know you said something a minute ago when you were talking about harbaugh and why people want to believe in him and 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 i want to say this before i totally forget it there was a time here a couple of years ago when people were making the Harbaugh is Michigan's John Cooper um, analogy. And I was like, you know, that might be, that might be apt. He's, he's, he's a pretty good coach who just doesn't get it done in mm-hmm. the most important game of the season. Uh, I'm, I'm here to tell you, how many years are we into this experiment? Is, or is this year five of, of the Harbaugh experiment? Uh, Johnny I Lee? believe so. Okay. Uh, anybody who, who made that, analogy you need to apologize to john cooper in (laughs) the most sincere possible terms because that 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 is that is slander at this point that is yeah i mean he's he's earl bruce he's he's michigan's earl bruce and that's actually i mean that's the best that they can really hope for at this point in time um that they'll take that and that's the thing i've written about this multiple times with michigan but the problem is is that they're locked into this sunk call uh sunk cost fallacy where they believe that you know if we just keep paying this dude eventually it'll pay off eventually we'll win you know 13 games in a season and be a you know a great challenge to the college football playoff it's not going to happen but they've invested so much money and time into Harbaugh at this point that they feel they have to keep doing it because he isn't bad enough to justify firing him uh, but it'll never be good enough to justify paying him a gajillion dollars every year so I actually I mean look Michigan is Michigan, and they're always going to be the big bad in the Big Ten for Ohio State. Yes, I'm always just more interested in Penn State at this point because I think Franklin's a really good coach. They've, you know, they've got good players in Journey Brown and, and Micah Parsons, but we don't know what's going to happen with them necessarily. So, you know, especially with Micah Parsons, so it's just I don't know. It, it, it's going to be an interesting schedule, if only because I think Penn State's the bigger threat at the beginning of the of the slate, right? Penn State, second game, October 31st. I think that's the one to look out for. If High State wins that one and looks good, forget it. I don't, I, I don't see any other team challenging them for the rest of those games. Yeah. Yeah. But Penn State is the – to me, it's basically a one-game season, and that game is Penn State on October 31st. Now, here's the thing, too, that you, you, you know, Ohio State fans uh, have to realize, one – so this schedule sets up super favorably for the Buckeyes. And there are some fun stories here to tell. Uh, you know, the, the storyline writes itself with Ohio State and Nebraska being the two schools that, that carried the banner for the Big Ten to play this fall. 
everything you said about Penn State, you know, that's the team with the best chance to to knock off the Buckeyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, Michigan State under under Mel Tucker is going to be kind of an interesting story there. I, you know, Ohio State still will be heavily favored to win that game, obviously. And then you, you, we've just said what we feel about that team up north and, and rolling into the Big Ten Championship. But once you get past Penn State, you know, there is no margin for error because this is no. a buttersaw schedule. Uh, no margin for error whatsoever. And, and, and uh, Ryan Day, which I think he knows this and will, this would be his mantra regardless. You got to beat the brakes off all of these teams. You know, you can't yeah. go into Maryland and have a one point victory. Uh, right. That's not a thing that can happen. You know, you, you can't go into the wind tunnel of uh, Memorial Stadium in Champaign and have a snoozer at noon. Uh, because there's going to be no shortage of mouth-breathing pundits out there willing to uh, say, well, we don't need the Big Ten and the CFP anyway. You already heard, um, you know, slack-jawed yokel Dabo Swinney saying, well, you know, we I don't think we need the Big Ten and the <clears throat> Pac-12 and the – We're doing just great without those guys. They doing just, doing no just fine. <laughs> so, you know. It's not you, what he sounds like. Now, and, and here's the other thing, too. I'll go back to – Bill Connolly for a minute when he was doing the projected win totals for the Big Ten, um, he commented that SP Plus, his his system, projects the Buckeyes to be a favorite of 17 points or higher, okay, 17-point margin of victory in, get this, seven, seven of the eight games. Only, I believe that. That's not surprising to me. I, yeah, get, only I the totally Penn believe State. that. Yep, it's in, and so Penn State, even even at that, uh, what's, he, what's he got him pegged at? I still think he has him at like an eight point, yeah, six point six point eight points. So right. you know you're giving them a sixty five percent chance of winning in state college, um, and they're going to be eight points or better favorites over an undefeated Wisconsin at this stage. Yeah. You know, on a on a neutral field. Yeah, the Big Ten is weird, and they're not. It, it, Jeff, it, like I said earlier, it's not on an upswing you've got a lot of teams that are doing rebuilding right now and having a weird truncated year like this is not going to help them at all ohio state i think is actually much better equipped than you than than most marquee teams would be simply because they have the depth they have the uh, the staff to keep that all rolling and whatnot so i i think they can do it 17 and a half whatever i i think they can beat the absolute crap out of their opponents because they just I feel like they've been in DEFCON 1 since all of this went down. And that's credit to Ryan Day and, and the rest of the staff. But, yeah, they, this does not strike me as a team that will be caught off guard. It doesn't strike me as a team that will roll in lazy or slow. So uh, it'll be fun to watch if they can pull that off and, and keep just kicking the crap out of everybody. Right now, ranked 10th in the country. Who knows why? That makes no oh sense, God. but fine. Yeah, they got two they... first-place votes. The sports uh, information directors uh, poll, as, as I like right, to call yeah. it, because I don't, in my heart of hearts, believe that any uh, significant number of coaches is, are actually sitting down and filling out their Mway coaches well, poll ballot. And who cares at this point? In the top 10, in the top 10, there has been six games played, right? <laughs> like, we have supposedly been doing this for several weeks at this point where teams have been playing in the top 10. There's, there's six total games have been played (laughs) only five teams in the top 10 have played at all. So what are we talking about here? And here's the other thing. When when I talk about missing games and having to reschedule, that's going to, that's a thing. That is a absolute thing that's going to happen. And I know like Ohio state, the numbers look good. They've been going down, which is awesome. But nationally, they haven't been so great. 
they've been kind of holding steady, kind of going up in some places. And that's, that is not a storyline we can ignore. I know people want to return to normalcy as quickly as humanly possible and say, okay, well, football's back. We've got a schedule. Cases going down. Everything should be great. I'm telling you that is not necessarily going to be the case in a month. And so people need to be prepared for some of these games to get rescheduled, some of them be outright canceled, because it could still happen. Um, that's why it's important for us to continue to make sure that we're being safe and doing what yes. we're supposed to be doing. But also understand that, like, it's going to be weird. And, and, and maybe to, to give people a little bit of slack when we get to that point. Because, I, I, again, I hope everything trends in the right direction, but I also think people need to be prepared for it not to. I haven't, um, I have not gone through to see how individual voters, and I, I can't remember if the coaches poll lets you see how different people vote at this stage in the, the game. I, I haven't looked uh, under the hood, so to speak, but like, I have to assume that there are just people that aren't ranking these big 10 teams because they haven't played yet. Well, of course, the flip side of that being, as you noted, you go down through there, you're like Alabama, number two in the country, zero and zero record, <laughs> Georgia, zero and zero, yeah. LSU. You know, none of these SEC teams have, have played a game either. Uh, Texas has played one, Notre Dame has played, and, and uh, Oklahoma and, and Clemson's played. I mean, player, if, you look at the, if you look at the actual coaches poll, it's hilarious because, like, for instance, um, Tennessee dropped four spots. They have not played a game. They haven't played at all. But apparently, they, they you know, let's let's drop them four. Virginia Tech got dropped five spots. Have not played a game. <laughs> yeah. Um. Poor Memphis dropped five spots. Yeah. They played so, one and one. <laughs> yeah. You, you oh, win. Yeah. You, you win your season opener. <laughs> yeah. Best part: North Carolina wins the game, drops a spot. It. <laughs> no one else is playing, but because they were like, "Ah, eh, screw it. Let's put it on Ohio State." Let's. We got. We got to shove some Big Ten teams in here somewhere. I. I oh actually. My God. When when the AP you know, announced that they weren't going to in include, you know, the big, t that they were going to include the big 10 teams in the preseason poll and then drop them at first. I was like, that's really dumb. Just take them out. They're not playing. Right. Uh, and then I was, and, and, but then now, you know, in hindsight, like actually that's pretty respectable because here's how we would have ranked this if y'all were playing. And I like that they didn't put them in this week, you know, come back next week and then let's, let's reshuffle the decks. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a clean start. Because, as, as we say, none of these uh, SEC teams have played either. It's basically just been the ACC and, and the Big 12 out there. And even they've had uh, games canceled and, and so on. You, you had uh, – was it somebody was saying Fox was, like, playing movies the other day because they'd passed on the U.S. <laughs> Open and, right. uh, when they were renegotiating because they were going to make this big push into football and then their two right. big conferences drop, drop the bomb. So, Yeah. Yeah, Fooey on the coaches poll. AP poll will be back next week. We'll see how that goes. It'll be great. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. And honestly, for Ohio State right now, I'm I'm super confident, which, you know, words are wind. And I could definitely <laughs> feel completely differently nice in the next few weeks. Who knows? But for me, the biggest thing is for everybody to stay health, healthy, win those games, win those big <laughs> games, don't get hurt. Make sure – and look, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is specifically because we saw so many – not just NFL players, but Ohio State NFL players get Holy hurt. Crap. Yeah. In part, in part because of a truncated early season where they're prepping, they're getting some reps in, and I, I really think that's a big thing. You throw these guys into live, you know, game time stuff, and you don't have adequate preparation, and they're going to get hurt. 
And so Paris Campbell, Nick Bosa, who's now, we just found out a few minutes ago, is out for the season, which is terrible. Draymond Jones, Malik Hooker, Corey Lindsley hurt his hand. Everybody's getting hurt, and it sucks. But I, I think it really is a function of not having this, the prep time. It's also a function of people just getting all kinds of hurt in the NFL in general. Um, but, man, it sucks for those Ohio State players. I am so sad uh, for some of these guys who were having, I think, on the precipice of having really great seasons. And Nick Bosa, I mean, Nick Bosa is one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL uh, from the second he stepped on the field. Um, so, yeah, just just terrible for all those guys. And it, it sucks that, that you know, for some of these guys, they're not coming back probably yeah, this and season they, at all. And the cautionary tale or the thing that has has me concerned is hey, these are professional athletes, not, not uh, the mythical student athlete. These are professional athletes uh, who have been – practicing and getting ready and gearing up you know they were they were never operating under the assumption that they weren't going to be playing ball like your average college athlete I mean, it's been what nine months since ohio state's been in full pads so you know there's a not insignificant probability that somebody's going to get nicked up banged up or or, yeah. or otherwise injured and after watching what i swear had to be the bloodiest sunday in NFL history, um, I mean, everybody's fantasy season was was wrecked because they had somebody on their roster who has gone down with not just you know a high ankle sprain like Michael Thomas, but one of these season enders. I mean, when you're looking at um, Achilles injuries and you're looking at these ACLs, right. and uh, God, it's just it, it was like the longer uh, I wasn't sitting in front of the television the full time Sunday while these games were being played, but every time you looked at Twitter. Uh, or you're getting yeah, another person got hurt. And here, you know, it's like, and there goes another one. And there goes another yeah. one. It was like listening to Weird now. Another one's on the bus. Another one's on the bus. <laughs> another one's on. Another one's on. Another one's on the bus. Well, and here's the thing: it wasn't all bad. There was a lot of Ohio State alumni who just kicked a lot of ass on Sunday. Denzel Ward. Uh, I mean, that was Thursday night against the Bengals. Which, oh my God! And more power to Joe Burrow throwing sixty plus passes and looking pretty damn good while doing it. Denzel Ward had a really good game. Um, I think he he is the real deal and did some great stuff for them. Terry McLaurin continues to be hilariously good. I don't know why it's funny that he's good. I feel bad because obviously he, you know, he had tons of talent. He showed it at Ohio State. We love the dude. But the fact that nobody, nobody expected him to do what he's doing. He had seven catches for 125 yards uh, on – you know, the Washington team, um, Chase Young got another sack. They, they look like they have a ton of good young Ohio State players. Dwayne Haskins did all right. He didn't have a great game, but he had a decent game. Um, I don't know, man. It, there, there are, there's a lot of positive stuff out there, but it's definitely going to be overshadowed by the fact that you had several guys lose their seasons um, to some just really unfortunate crap. So, yeah, the, you know, Zeke had a crazy game with he did, against, yeah. against the Falcons. You know, it started off like, good Lord, could this be any worse? Um, did I read this right? That he coughed up the rock four times in the yeah. first quarter? Well, or, or the Dallas, cow- Dallas the Cowboys did. He did, had two of them. He had two of them. Twice, okay, yeah. all right, all right. I Like, I can't be reading that right. He didn't cough it up four times. Like, that's yeah. great. Okay, the team, the, four turnovers in a quarter. But, man, then he came back with a pretty monster stat line. Uh, 89's on yards on the ground and 33 through the air with, what, a pair of touchdowns? So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's a pretty good little day. I got I, I to gotta give a shout-out to, and we, we expressed our love for – 
Cameron Hayward um, in this space previously, but uh, my man, after we were singing his praises about uh, you know what a what what a great player he is, a future Hall of Famer, and so on, got his first interception of his career, uh, with uh, a a pretty pretty salty pick on the goal line versus the Giants in the Steelers season opener. So that was that was pretty sweet. Um, that was Monday night. Uh, football so we we didn't get to talk about it because we recorded before the game concluded but after we finished taping last week Hayward snags one with his his big old mitt and it's pretty pretty good deal and then of course uh, was named uh, MVP for week one by the Players Association after he installed his first little free pantry uh, little free library rather in in Pittsburgh so continues to not only be the boss hog up front but also man uh, one of the all-around best people in the steel city so hats off to cameron hayward for all he is doing on the field and off and you can check out all the action that all these you know former ohio state players buckeye alum uh the impact that they made in the nfl on the site uh i think it's interesting that john simon still kicking around doing things for the patriots that's pretty cool so there's there's two things one i i love stories like that where you have guys that you thought probably weren't going to have a lengthy career um turn around and how many years has he been in now it's like it's for a while i mean i think his last year was what like 2012 yeah yeah like that? yeah so you're you're pushing the decade mark almost and then secondly how many of those stories end up coming from the patriots because you know right. for, for the longest time um it was oh and i just drew a blank um rugby player oh doggone Oh, Nate Ebner. Nate Ebner. I was like, why? Why couldn't I? Come? Nate Ebner, greatest, with his name. greatest special teams player in NFL history. I mean, For, that, yeah, the dude was. I, I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Uh, and you know, he had a super lengthy career with the Patriots. And it's just like they, you know, that Bill Belichick magic. Uh, you know, that you don't have to be the flashiest guy on the field, but you fill a role, and you'll have a you'll have a home there. Nate Ebner, by the way, still kicking it with the Giants. I was going to say, he's not with the Patriots anymore, right? Yeah, no, no he's, he's he did leave the Patriots, but he's with the Giants. And uh, speaking of unheralded people, Cameron Johnson, I want to mention him every single week because he is still freaking amazing. Two, point, two punts over 60 yards per punt, uh, which is freaking hilarious. So more power to that guy. And uh, he, I mean, shoot, he, he's got maybe a lock on the best NFL player from what I say right now. Uh, so I don't know. A lot of fun on that. Um, yeah, it's 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 fun to watch them uh, kind of progress, but hopefully we'll, we'll just start we'll just start a regular feature uh, on the on the podcast. What did what did Cameron do this week? That's right. What did Cam do this week? And hopefully people just stay healthy. That, that's that's just what yes. I really wish yeah. for. Yeah. So uh, so as we get through that, we want to remind you that the dubcast is sponsored by the dry goods store at 11warriors.com, drygoods.11warriors.com, shirts, hats, stickers, all kinds of great stuff. Check it out. Masks. I got one right here, actually, in this excellent cellophane wrapper. Um, it's a Beat Michigan mask, and it's it's pretty excellent. So I was, uh, I was at the grocery store Sunday evening and was rocking one of my 85 yards through the Heart of the South shirts. And actually, I love that shirt so much. I have two of them. That is nice. not, an, not an exaggeration. Um, and as I was coming out of the potato chip aisle, there comes my brother from another mother also rocking, uh, one of the finest t-shirts ever made. And we paused and did a little bro nod to each other. 
complimented each other on our outstanding good taste and went on about our business. So Fantastic. you too, you too can be one of the most well-dressed people in your fair city, village, borough, or town at drivegoods.11warriors.com. I do seriously love um, the, I call them the great plays series, you know, cause we've got two or three of them between the 85 yards and the Brooklyn dagger and, and, uh, the play uh, that many people will know as Holy Buckeye, but the astute uh, observer of football will know as King Wright 64 Y shallow swap. And I have right. all three of those in my collection. Fantastic. Uh, cause they just, they're super cool designs, but the actual threads themselves, um, maybe the most comfortable t-shirts I own. Nice. Well, they, they are definitely of high quality and, and very nice to wear. I, I Yeah, I, we, we spare no expense, spare no expense. Um, so that's, uh, that's uh, our non ask us anything portion of the evening. I, I, I love ask us anything because I love how creative people are getting. This week's actually kind of interesting. So I want to talk about that. Uh, before, however, uh, you can send us questions to ask us anything to dubcast at 11warriors.com, D-U-B-C-A-S-T at 11warriors.com. Okay, so we've got a question from Chalk, and we have a question from St. Louis Wookie. Guess what? It's the same question. Okay. I don't know if this was some kind of internet thing. These dudes sent this question in uh, 15 minutes apart. I don't know if they're they're – they're living in the same apartment and they're having like an <laughs> argument or they just are buddies and they were having a discussion over a beer. I don't know how this came, came to be, but we have two of the exact same question within 15 minutes apart. I really, I, it's just such a nice piece of kismet. I, I love it. Um, I'll read them both. Cause you know what chalk in St. Louis Wookie, you deserve it. So Chalk writes as an Ohio native, I've spent many summer days at Ohio's wonderful theme parks. My question this week is simple. Which theme park do you prefer? The iconic Kings Island or the frigidly cold and mayfly and seagull fouled Cedar Point? <laughs> the choice is clear for me, given the shorter lines and the presence of Skyline Chili inside the park, two locations, and the iconic beast, not to mention the new roller coaster Orion. Okay. St. Louis Wookiee. <laughs> St. Louis Wookie writes, I'm curious where you guys stand on the Kings Island versus Cedar Point debate. Personally, all in, I'm all in with Cedar Point as America's roller coast. Kings Island is adding cool new rides, but Cedar Point has too much of a lead already with mind-blowing options and they keep adding to it somehow. The skyline as you approach the park with a mingled mess of tracks makes me excited every time. Okay, there, guys, you, I, you had to have coordinated this. There's no way in hell. There is no way in hell. I don't buy that this is a coincidence. If it is, it's the greatest coincidence of the history of the Dubcast. I don't buy it. So come clean next week. Send another question and let us know what the hell just happened here because I don't believe it. I think you're all full of crap and you definitely coordinated this. Still, kudos to both of you and it's an excellent question. And Andy, I, I want to know. Let's, let's get it from you, dude, first. Kings I, Island, Cedar Point. I think this would have been a perfect topic for our uh, take counter take series that the, <laughs> that the staff did over the course of the off season, the longest Agreed. off season in history. That was, I mean, that was that was beautiful topic for a take counter take. Uh, so I, to me, this question is largely influenced by where you grew up, right? You and I are both SOBs, Southern yeah. Ohio boys, uh, and so for me, the answer was Kings Island, and that was a product of familiarity. I frankly. Uh, never stepped foot on Cedar Point soil until I was, gosh, I'm, I mean, in my late 20s, for sure, 
um, before I had, had ever gone to Cedar Point. And, you know, I've been there a few times since, and it's, it's a fantastic coast. And the point about the skyline there and the deal with the lake, I mean, setting really matters. And the setting at Cedar Point oh, yeah. is fantastic. Now, the flip side, uh, I don't remember, what do they call the roller coaster up there where you're standing up? Um, oh, gosh. And it, it actually goes out over the lake um, for, for a piece or your life right on the shore. Raven. Is for that, a while that, was that the one that where you stand up it, it might have been i honestly at, don't King, know at king's island it was the king cobra um yeah. was the stand-up and so it was the, they had the mantis Point. for a while but i think they rebranded it so it might have been the mantis that might have that might be what i'm thinking of because yeah. it was um it basically i considered it the cedar point version of the king cobra mm-hmm. and, you know my first time on it like i think i'm in the front car even and so you're standing there and it's a great coaster and then you hit the bottom of one of those swoops really close to the water and I walked out of that thing looking like a windshield of a Buick that's just <laughs> off I-70 after an 800-mile drive. I mean, I was covered in bug guts. Nice. And it's like, I now understand the problem with being right here on the lake because uh, in the yeah, there's mosquitoes the everywhere. And, oh, yeah. It was – so that that put a little bit of a – uh, twist on my day. I love Kings Island. And that goes back. I mean, it's part of this is nostalgia, right? So mm-hmm. um, I remember I hadn't been to Kings Island for several years and then went back as, as a, an adult and went on the beast and I walked off. And I'm like, I may not be able to walk tomorrow because this thing <laughs> beat the holy living piss out of me. But you know, I grew up loving it from back when, when it was still Hanna-Barbera land and there was the right, you get in a little boat and the Smurfs and I loved the Smurfs as a kid. So (laughs) no, it was just really, that was great. Uh, The Eiffel tower is iconic. I always enjoyed going up and looking out over the rest of the park. Um, You know, it's just, that, that was home to me was, was going there. We would, we would get um, mom got us season passes many years when we were kids and she would take my brother and I just, you know, random mom was a school bus driver. So she was home through the summer. So we might just take off and go, uh, the three of us or a small group, maybe go with another, another family or something. Um, and, and just go for part of the day. You didn't even have to go. We were close enough, uh, you know, within an hour that you could just go for the better part of a day. And it didn't have to be like a big, you know, trip where, you know, we're living in Columbus now. I mean, we're right. three hours from, cedar point you know so it's not like you can just go to cedar point for the day you need to really think it you know like make a trip out of it so yeah I, it's because i actually kind of had the same experience as you i didn't go to cedar point until i was a little bit older i think i went as a really young kid i'm pretty sure there's a picture of me covered in chicken pox and at cedar point nice um yeah uh but i didn't start going until i was probably in my 20s uh because it was like part of our end of the year school trip at the place where i was working and I like Cedar Point a lot. I don't, I don't want to hate on Cedar Point. I, I really, 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 really enjoy Cedar Point. And I would almost say that I prefer it. I think I prefer the rides at Cedar Point. And I'm not even a big roller coaster guy, but I, I like even the tamer roller coasters that they have. Because um, I, I just, it really is an iconic park because of what they have. And I think I like the layout a little bit better than Kings Island. I like the setting a little bit better because it is awesome to be able to see Lake Erie all spread out there. The one and only time I read Millennium Force, I was, I was awed for like, I was in awe for about a half second and then terrified the rest of the <laughs> yeah, time. Right. Never do that ever again. Um, but you know, I'm with you. I mean, Kings Island, 
I didn't go to King's Island a lot when I was a kid. It was too expensive to go. And there was just, you know, we didn't have a lot of reasons. However, the thing about King's Island that I always loved was the seasonal stuff that they did. So the Halloween stuff, yeah. the winter stuff. My parents actually are actors in both of those things. And so you might, you might actually run into the extended Ginter family if you decide to go to King's Island and, and check that stuff out. So that's kind of fun that's you know, for their winter fest. Um, so that's a lot of fun. And it, it, you know, even though I don't think there is as many fun rides at King's Island, they do have a really interesting setup. And of course the Eiffel tower and all that. Um, but I don't know. I think as an overall park, I got to give it to Cedar point just because if, if I'm going there to like have some fun and some thrills, I, I do think that Cedar point is the place to go. If I'm going for like some kind of event that might be fun to check out Kings Island, I think might, might be the move, but I actually, so I don't, again, I don't love roller coasters. There's some that I'll, I'll get on and go like, okay, I'm cool with this. This is fun, but not like the really crazy ones. However, I like kind of looking at uh, reviews of roller coasters on YouTube. Like oh, I'll, I'll follow and cause it's a whole subculture and it's really interesting to kind of to see cause and, and the people who do these roller coaster reviews, I mean, they'll travel all around the world. Their videos get millions of hits. People are just super into them. And apparently uh, so Cedar point had an older roller coaster that they refurbished, kind of redid, changed it a bunch of things up. And now it's called steel vengeance. Apparently it's like the best roller coaster in the world. Like bar none, all these reviewers, all these people are saying, this is it. This is the best roller coaster in the world, maybe ever made. And I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying I'll get on the thing, but I maybe want to experience being near the thing. Cause it, it looks pretty badass. So more power to Cedar Point. Congrats to them for continuing to be, you know, the roller coast and, and really just kicking ass and not resting on their laurels because they, they could do that, but they don't. So I think that's awesome. Right on. Uh, okay. Next one here is from uh, Matt Minneapolis. <laughs> Matt uh, does preface this question by saying that it's not in the usual wheelhouse, but it came up in a, in a debate with his friend who also listens to the Dubcast. So we'll try to answer it for him. Basically, he wants to know our thoughts on Carrie Underwood versus Taylor Swift. Um, and he, he's he got a kind of extensive here, thing here, so I want to get into it. Widely regarded as contemporaries, Underwood seems to be something of a one-trick pony with all of her commercial success being a variant of guy does woman wrong, woman gets revenge. <laughs> well, okay, that's like whatever variant of that is basically country music in general. So <laughs> what, I was gonna, like, I was what do you, say, I mean, what, okay, well, oh, oh, we got, um, she's not talking about pickup trucks enough. Oh, she's not talking about uh, blue jeans and uh, uh, having, oh. having a, having a cold one with your girl on the, like whatever. Okay. Like country music. I'm not hating on country music. Country right, music right, right, has right, a lot right. of very fine music, <laughs> but let's not pretend as a genre, it's particularly diverse. Okay. Let's just, let's throw that out there. Anyway. While T Swift seems to be able to find commercial success under many different musical flavors and across media, uh, her latest album. Okay. He goes on a while. Uh, so I guess Taylor we know Swift which also, camp he's in. Say again. I said, I guess we know which camp he's in. Yeah. Then. I was about to say, uh, Taylor Swift speaks out on social issues. Carrie Underwood is posting bikini selfies on father's day. Okay. I'm not I missed that, that. Do what you want. Live your life. Radio people seem to love Carrie Underwood. Oh my God. This Matt in Minneapolis is a uh seems to be a, a big time swifty here which okay legit fine 
his final sentence here is Swift strikes me more as an Alanis Morissette, Madonna, Sarah McLaughlin. That's a weird one to throw in there. Annie DeFranco at all as a possible voice of an age cohort while Underwood strikes me as a disingenuous and country version of Britney Spears. What the hell did Carrie Underwood do to you, Matt? <laughs> she does not deserve this vitriolity. I don't understand. <laughs> um, I mean, you're right, right? Taylor Swift is, is – I think she dunks on Carrie Underwood in pretty much every way. And if you like Carrie Underwood, I'm not going to, like, come to your house and slash your tires, as Matt seems to want to do. <laughs> but, you know, I, Taylor Swift is definitely – she will be remembered as the biggest pop star of her generation, period. Yeah. Um, Lady Gaga, Katy Perry, sorry. Those are all – they will fall by the wayside. Taylor Swift is the – she might be even when it comes down to it, like the biggest artist of the 2010s. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of either of their music, but I'm not, I can't deny the, the force of Taylor Swift. I can't, I shouldn't, I shouldn't step on Beyonce. I can't say that, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see what the legacy says. Beyonce obviously is on another stratosphere. Um, but you know, I don't, yeah. I don't want all of the, I don't want the Bay hive that listens to the, uh, the dub cast to come after me i, I gotta make sure that she gets her due but taylor swift pretty big all, pretty big deal all hell the queen all hell the queen right uh, <laughs> so i i will i'll be honest um i i was a huge country music fan for you know the better part of the first two-thirds of my life and, and yeah. still am a big fan of what i'll call classic country music and classic meaning um anything from i'll say 2000 backward just as an arbitrary you know break off point C- case in point you know we were we were in the car the other day and, and i hit shuffle on my um a playlist on my iphone and it, it ends up basically being 90 percent george Strait. uh and mm-hmm. <laughs> to your point about country music you know i the the joke was always you know three chords in the truth or um another somebody done somebody wrong song like that was that's basically country music in a nutshell yeah. and so we're listening to these songs and <laughs> the stunning mrs vance um who was more of a classic rock you know kind of like think like bob seeger Def, Le- Def leopard mm-hmm. she looks at me she's like god these really are basically all about the same thing aren't they <laughs> <laughs> and yeah and, and, well, we, it, and we had a good chuckle bad and, no 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 I it's mean, like yeah so so when you're but but to your point when you're when you're criticizing carrie underwood for being a one-trick pony um i george Strait is by far my favorite uh inter- entertainer musician mm-hmm. um in any genre of music and i have a very eclectic taste uh in in music trust me on this um george Strait by far my my number one guy um Bob Seger would be like a close second, but, but George Strait, my guy. And so when I look at his catalog, I mean, guys, uh, he knew what sold, he knew what worked for him and that's what he sang. So, and you could make the argument about T Sweezy too, that, (laughs) you know, particularly in her early catalog, Oh sure, you know, yeah. It's, it's basically what what guy dumped her this week, kind of, and she, you know, or, or whatever. No, necessarily a guy, a guy. But what happened in my life this week? And and think about, you know, as a writer, what do we what do we always say as as advice? Is write about what you know. Yeah. So you know, you look at the songs that she writes. It's that's it. So I definitely agree with your comment that she will. Uh, you know, the social impact stuff. Um, definitely. Swift is good at mobilizing her 
her community um, and engaging mm-hmm. them in that way. And I think probably has outsized impact in that regard. Uh, I frankly hadn't read or heard anything about Carrie Underwood at all until this conversation. I see she won. Um, <laughs> in, but, but so I thought, well, maybe she's just kind of, you know, done with that phase of her career and is going to go into the, you know, kind of the second act. I mean, most, particularly in country music, you sort of go through this arc where on your way up, you're playing county fairs, state fairs. Yeah. You know, you get a single on the radio, then you come into your own and you can headline concert tours. And then generally, after you had a, a 20 year plus year career, you go back to playing county fairs and state fairs. And, you know, then you're kind of like people want to come see you because you're this retired legend who hasn't had a single on radio in 20 years, you know? Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, maybe she's moving into that second phase. I guess that she won um, Entertainer of the Year at the Academy of Country Music Awards, like literally last week. So okay. <laughs> well. apparently, apparently Carrie Underwood's still relevant uh, and mad props to her for that because that's, yeah. a, that's a big dang deal. That said... I don't know that modern country music has put out anything that I'm super jacked up about in quite some time. (laughs) I think, uh, you know, okay. So I don't know a lot about modern country music and mostly I actively avoid the, the bro country, you know, crap. Yeah. yeah, That's what I'm talking about really is. Yeah. Florida, Georgia line. I, you know, all that stuff. I miss me with that crap. I, I don't need any of that in my life, but I do think I, it's interesting because, um, NPR likes to run uh, profiles of musicians and they love, they love running profiles of country musicians who uh, are young and kind of challenging the status quo. And I think it's more because NPR likes the idea that they're running (laughs) a report on a country musician rather than them actually giving a crap about country music. You know what I mean? Cause it, seriously, cause it really feels like, Hey guys, check it out. We do country music too, but you didn't think that. It's like, okay, I, I don't think you actually give a crap. Um, but I think there's some, some exciting artists out there. I think there's some young people who are putting out some good stuff. Uh, Sturgill. I mean, look, people, I think <laughs> I, I, I'm one of those guys with Sturgill Simpson that I like the, uh, the new album rather than literally anything else he's put out. <laughs> so maybe that's, you know, that, that kind of calls attention to how I feel about, uh, country music in general. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's an ex, it's a good genre of music. I don't hate on country. I just don't like what it evolved into. I look. I made my parents play Chattahoochee by Alan Jackson oh. over and over and over and over again on a on a road trip we took down to Daytona Beach when I was like eight. I love that crap. I went nice. to barn dances with my grandparents all the time. I love blue. I still love bluegrass music. I listen to bluegrass music all the time. I don't feel like I need to establish my bona fides, but you know. People, it just, it's weird because it feels like you can't have a serious conversation about country music, honestly, if, unless you're talking to people who genuinely love country music mm-hmm. and otherwise it's a joke and it shouldn't be because it's, it's just a valid as a musical art form as any other. Yeah. Um, but it is, it does get repetitive sometimes. And that's, a, and look, a lot of, a lot of music's repetitive. A lot of rock's repetitive. A lot of rap's repetitive. That's fine. A lot of pop's repetitive. It's, it's what you're doing with it and how creative you're being and working within some of the confines that these uh, genres set up. So, um, but anyway, Matt, I appreciate your, <laughs> I appreciate your zeal, your enthusiasm for this question. Please keep sending them in. Hopefully <laughs> Bodie, your buddy who uh, apparently is a Carrie Underwood stan, um, understands where you're coming from and it doesn't lead to blows between the two of you. 
because <laughs> you seem pretty convinced of your uh, rightness on this issue. But um, yeah, that's that's where we stand. So keep sending those questions in. I you know I really enjoy music questions because I really enjoy music, and uh, I'm curious what our listeners. I'm, I'm curious what your uh, what your tastes are, how they vary, where where they stand. So keep sending those questions in. Well, look, we got a month until this football thing actually gets going. And so we need, we need, we need your help. We need your, uh, we need your questions. So keep sending those in. Um, so that's ask us anything. Uh, it's also the dubcast for this week. Thank you so much uh, for contributing and for listening. And until next time, I'm Johnny. I'm Andy. And we'll see you then.